Danger awaits you in the mountain wilderness. You and your pilot Jake have crashed into the Canadian Rockies. Jake is hurt, so it's up to you to hike through the snow for help. You walk for hours until you come to a cabin. Inside, you see a terrifying scene. A boy is tied to a chair, guarded by a sleeping man with a shotgun and a hunting knife. What should you do? If you decide to play it safe and look for help, turn to page 83. If you try to sneak in and grab the gun and knife, turn to page 89. Be careful, your next move could make you rich or trap you forever in the dangerous mountains. What happens next in the story? It all depends on the choices you make. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star of the story. Choose from 25 possible endings. Choose Your Own Adventure, Book 28, Mountain Survival, by Edward Packard, illustrated by Leslie Morell. Welcome to Incredibly Daring, a podcast where we read vintage choose-your-own-adventure books to each other and make generally poor decisions. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jason. Jillian. So we're back to Edward Packard. Um, he's got the whole north, northeast, east, southwest thing going on that. on the cover of the book this time. I see that. He's, he's not even trying to hide it this time. Getting right to it. Is that a fucking bear or a hippo? That is a bear. That looks like a hippo? Not a lot of hippos in the mountains, I think. That's what I was thinking, but it looks like a fucking hippo. It's a hippo bear. So yeah, the this is another one of those multi-quadrant covers. Well, these are very these are much more delineated than uh what was that other book? The Lost Jewels of Nabuti. Nabuti. Yeah. Nabuti had another one of these covers that was like split up into four quadrants. This one is like that, but each quadrant is more delineated. Because it's actually trying to replicate a compass on there. Too. Yeah, yeah. So we got in one corner. We got like your your the main character running away from like a plane explosion, and another one we got the main character climbing up the side of a mountain. Another one we have a bear that apparently looks like a hippo growling at something, <laughs> and then we have a kid. Well, I don't know if it's a kid or not. It's somebody looks like doing the Jack Nicholson scene at the end of The Shining, like frozen to death in the snow. Oh. And then right in the middle, there's a, a plane wreck. I think that is Jack Nicholson. <laughs> I'm sure he's done other stuff. Yeah. Done the exact same scene in other stuff. <laughs> All righty. Warning. Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. This book contains many different adventures you may have as you try to find your way out of a mountain wilderness. Your plane has crashed in the mountain. Your only hope of survival is to find your way to a ranger station nine miles to the east. The question is, do you have the luck and skills you need to survive? You're about to find out. From time to time as you read along, you'll be asked to make a choice. Your choice may lead to success or disaster. After you make your choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Think carefully before you act. Any move could be your last, or it might lead you out of the mountain wilderness. To fame and fortune. Page uno. You and your pilot, Jake McKay, are flying over the Canadian Rockies when the engines begin to sputter. Good, getting, old, good old Jake. Getting right to it. Launchpad McKay. <laughs> Suddenly, you're caught in a blinding snow squall. 
What seemed like a beautiful spring day has turned into a wintry nightmare. We're going down, Jake cries to his girlfriend. Turn the page to me. Jake is able to set the plane down on a smooth grassy area just at the timberline. It hits the ground hard, bounces once, and slides into a grove of stunted pine trees. The left wing smashes against a tree, and the plane spins wildly around, then suddenly stops. Fortunately, you are not hurt, just shaken up a bit. But Jake's ankle seems to be sprained. He can't put any weight on it. To make matters worse, the radio stopped working on impact. The two of you huddle down in your seats. Jake has wrapped his injured ankle in a red plaid scarf. I'm afraid we're pretty far off course, he says, his eyes scanning the map. Our only hope is for you to make it to that ranger station we saw on the way in. I'd say it's about nine miles east of here. It looked abandoned from the air, but if it's like most of the stations in this area, it's stocked with canned food and an emergency radio transmitter. You look over at Jake. You know he is trying to encourage you. I'll go, you tell him. You listen carefully as he explains how to send a radio distress signal. Jake does his best to smile. That was just a frontal squall that hit us. Look, the sun's coming out. You'd better get going so you can reach the station before dark. You check your backpack, which holds a light sleeping bag, a poncho, a day supply of food, matches, and a first aid kit. You are wearing a hooded parka, wool socks, gloves, and a good pair of hiking boots, the right clothes for a long hike. After making sure that Jake is comfortable, you strap on your backpack, say goodbye, and start walking. Peace out, bitch. He's going to get eaten by a hippo bear. <laughs> One can only hope. You set out at a brisk pace across the high, rugged land. Since it's almost noon, the sun must be in the south. If you keep it on your right, you know you'll be headed east. Nine miles doesn't seem like a long distance. On a gentle, well-groomed trail, you could easily cover it in three hours. But in these mountains, it could take much longer. Within an hour, it has become cloudy again. A cold north wind has sprung up. The temperature is falling. You flip up the collar of your parka, trying to keep warm. Now, ahead of you, you see what looks like an animal trail running north-south. Alongside it, blocking your way, is a high rock wall, too steep to climb. The shortest route around the wall would be to cross the roaring stream to your right. The stream is about 10 feet wide, with water boiling up in a white torrent. You can't judge its depth. Probably you can get across it by jumping from rock to rock, but one slip could put you in a lot of trouble. The safest thing to do would be to follow the animal trail through the pine forest to your left, but that would take you in a northerly direction, possibly far out of your way. If you decide to follow the trail to your left, turn to page 8. If you try to cross the stream, turn to page 7. Cross the stream. Yeah, it would too. Yeah. Even though the Ghostbusters say never cross the streams. <laughs> See, I'm amused. No. See, amused. <laughs> you walk along the raging stream looking for a place to cross. In a little while, you come to a section that is strewn with boulders. You tighten your backpack and leap from rock to rock. You're almost across when your right foot comes down on a loose rock. Throwing you off balance and into the icy water. The end. Spray flies in your face as you frantically clutch at a jammed log and then half swim halfway to the opposite bank. You're soaked to the skin and shivering so hard that you can barely breathe. You try to warm up by walking, heading southeast along the base of the rock wall. If you can find a place to scale it, you can head straight east again toward the ranger station. But your plunge in the stream has left you badly chilled. You're not sure that you can go on. There's some brushwood and dry pine branches nearby. It might be a good idea to start a fire and dry off completely. You thought you had plenty of matches, but one pack is soaked, and the pack that stayed dry has only one match left. 
Should you use your last match? Maybe it's more important to keep moving. If you take time to build a fire and warm up, you may not reach the ranger station before dark. If you stop to build a fire, turn to page 11. If you continue on, turn to page 14. You want the fire? I mean, in real life, yeah, I would want the fire, but let's go on. Yeah, I'd, I'd want to keep moving. Out of the two, I mean, we only have one match possibly, yeah. so I'd say I'd say head to the ranger station. Still. I just watched too much fucking shows about Alaska. Yeah. You continue on, skirting the southeast edge of the rock wall, looking for a way up, but the cold wind penetrates your wet clothes. Your teeth chatter as you stumble on, hunched over against the cold. Your vision begins to blur, and you're getting short of breath. Your legs feel like rubber. You stumble over a rock and fall. You try to get up, but lurch crazily from side to side, then sink back to the ground. Seizure? You lie there in a heap, shaking, too weak to look for shelter. Dimly, you realize what has happened. Your body temperature has fallen dangerously low. There's no doubt about it. You have the symptoms of advanced hypothermia. Your body is losing heat faster than it can generate it. If only you had started a fire and warmed yourself, but now it's too late. The end. All right, I guess we should start a fire then. I don't want to be like boom bitches, but but boom bitches bitches. <laughs> so are we going back to build a fire? Yep, that's right. All right. Who watches Alaska: The Last Frontier? I fucking do. Important survival information, right there. You gather some dry pine branches and twigs, taking great care to shield your only match from the wind. You light the fire; it catches. Soon you have a good blaze going. It takes a couple of hours for you to get really warm and dry. Now you must hurry. The sky is darkened, the wind is blowing stronger, and a fine light snow is stinging your cheeks. Are you stupid ass? Just stay by the fire. <laughs> Continuing on a few hundred yards, you discover a trail up the rock wall, a steep mountain gully. The center line of the gully looks like the easiest way up, but you're concerned about the big rocks near the top. Some of them look pretty loose. Maybe you should climb up the side of the gully, even though it's steeper and the footing less secure. You have a vague memory of someone saying that you shouldn't climb up the center line of a mountain gully. Or did they say you shouldn't climb up the side of a gully? You can't remember. If you climb up the side of the gully, turn to page 21. If you climb up the center line of the gully, turn to page 25. Center line? Wouldn't the side have, like, more area? Right? To, like, grasp onto? Look, it's my turn to kill us, okay? Okay. That's fair enough. I'm just kidding. No, I, that, that <laughs> seems like a logical argument. Okay. We're going up the middle. You start up the center line of the gully. Once in a while, you slip on the loose shale, but you make steady progress. You're about halfway to the top when you hear a thunderous sound above you. A huge gray boulder is roaring down the gully. Straight at you. Good. Bits and pieces of rock and shale fly from it, sending clouds of dust into the air. You try to scramble up the side of the gully, but you don't have the extra few seconds you need. The end. See? Right. Sweet. All right. So would you recommend it? <laughs> <laughs> so far, no. Let's go to uh, the side of the gully. Are we going up the side? Yeah. Do it. Do it. Jill doesn't seem amused by this at all. She does not want to learn how to survive in the wilderness. She's already watched the Alaska thing. I've got this. And ice road truckers, too, probably. God, no. It's a long, exhausting climb up the side of the gully. About halfway up, a boulder crashes down the center, scaring you out of your wits. Fortunately, you are clear of its path. Oh, whatever. And in another half hour, you reach the crest. You look out over the high plateau. Much of the land is wooded with dwarf pines. Some of it is only barren rock with patches of snow here and there. 
It is now about 3 o'clock. You know the ranger station lies to the east, but the sun is hidden by clouds, so you can't be sure which way east is. You think you're heading east if you follow the creek to your left. You've always thought you had a pretty good sense of direction, but you recall that cliffs and ridges in the area generally run north-south. Maybe you're heading east now, even though east seems to be to your left. If it is, and you follow the creek, you'll be heading north instead of east. If you continue straight ahead, turn to page 56. If you trust your sense of direction and follow the creek, turn to page 28. Follow the creek. creek. I feel like it'll then... Yeah. Yeah, we'll kick it again. Creek. You decide you have to trust your own sense of direction. You turn left and follow the creek. After traveling another hour, you see a ridge up ahead. You go eagerly toward it. From the top of the ridge, you hope to be able to see the ranger station. Suddenly, about 40 yards away, looking right at you, is a huge bear. It's a fucking hippo. It's a grizzly. One of the largest, meanest, and most dangerous bears in the world. Its name is Hippo. It takes... <laughs> I like that. It takes a step towards you, then another, then stops and stares at you if tr- as if trying to decide what, what to do. Fucking eat me. It rears up and stands at its full height, seven feet tall. Is it about to charge? If you stay absolutely still so as not to alarm the bear, turn to page 34. If you run for your life, turn to page 61. I see where you run. Aren't you supposed to, like, play dead? It's not going to actually matter with a grizzly. Playing dead does not work. Oh. It will if you do it with nicer bears, but they are apex predators and they really don't give a shit. And running, like, I mean, the grizzlies. Honestly, if honest. you were smart, as soon as it stands up on its hind legs, you should probably shoot it because that's your easiest oh, I was gonna point. Say, like, kick it in the nuts. Oh, yeah. And yeah. yeah, you should probably do that. <laughs> but no, the, isn't it fucked up? They actually don't care. Like, the even if you play dead, like, they're scavengers. They'll just eat you anyways. Wow. But actually, technically, what they'll do is rip into you, piss on you, and then come back to eat you later. So then you die oh, a slow death. Yeah, yeah they nothing else will. Yeah. All right. Thing. So do we want to run? Is, is Willy nilly screaming into the dark? I, I don't mind screaming into the dark. Yeah. Yeah, let's run. Let's fucking die by Grizzly Hippo. Fucking run away. You run as fast as you have ever in your life. The ground is rough. You stumble. Screaming, you get back on your feet and run, but the bear is charging. There's no chance of outrunning him. There's no place to hide. There's no chance of escape. Climb a tree. The jump, end. Jump over the cliff. Sweet. See? We got this shit done. I kind of want to see what happens if we play dead, though. Or we kind of don't there. have a choice. We're under we're under time. Oh, we're we're by quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's see. <laughs> Fine. Let's play dead. I hope he scalps yeah. us and then pisses on us. Well, we stand there, right? Is that what it said? If you stay absolutely still so as not to alarm the bear. There's no play dead option. Yeah. It's the same thing, though. Mm-hmm. We're playing dead. All right. In our minds. You guys are managing to get yourself killed every way possible. By We're fucking book. trying, but then to. you keep reading. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point of the fucking podcast. <laughs> Jim fucking hates me right now. <laughs> A little bit. I'm fine with it. <laughs> You stand you stand as still as a statue. <laughs> a moment later, the bear drops back on all fours, shakes itself, and lumbers off. Ugh, whatever. Well, it's it's hippo. I mean, that's what that's his MO. That's what he does. Fine. Good old hippo. I swear bear. to God, I'm only conceding because you called it hippo. Hippo the bear. Hippo the fucking bear. <laughs> you wait a few minutes and then cautiously continue up to the top of the ridge. There... Sheltered by some pine trees is a small wooden structure. And another bear? For a minute, you think it might be the ranger station. 
but when you throw open the rickety door, you realize that it's only an abandoned trapper's cabin, empty except for a couple of old chairs and a wooden crate that must once have served as a table. Nearby on the floor is a crumpled piece of yellow paper. You pick it up and straighten it out as flat as possible. It's a simple map of the area. It looks like this, which is really helpful in a fucking audio-only podcast. So there's a yeah. tiny, tiny little map there. <clears throat> abandoned gold mine. What? Lost Creek Cabin, Disappointment Peak, Table That's Rock, Ranger Station, Eagle Peak, Cliff. Disappointment Peak is the peak where no matter which choice you make, you don't die. <laughs> <laughs> this map is your best clue to the direction of the Ranger Station. You take it outside and look around. The creek you follow to get here curves to the left of the cabin. Just beyond the cabin, there is a trail which goes only a few yards and then splits into two separate trails, one to the left and the other to the right. If you continue to follow the creek, turn to page 112. If you take the left fork of the trail, turn to page 42. If you take the right fork of the trail, turn to page 46. I need to see the map again. Here's the cabin. Here's Lost Creek. And You need to go right. At the ranger station? The ranger yeah. station right there. You need to go right. Right? Take right fork of trail. Where's it fork though? Right here? Yeah, where the fork is the fork. Well, the trail isn't on here. You go outside and see a trail. Oh, son of a bitch. We can't see the trail from here. I mean, we follow the creek because the creek okay. goes that way still, too. Creek runs right by the ranger station, it looks like. This map is your best clue to the direction of the ranger station. You take it outside and look around the creek you follow to get here curves to the left of the cabin, which... It depends on which way we're standing outside the yeah, cabin. Why don't we just go left? Yeah, follow the creek. It hasn't failed us yet. We already have a new house. <laughs> we're following the creek. Okay, well, that's two different options. There's the option to follow the creek, and there's an option to go left. Follow, follow the, the creek. creek. Okay. The creek winds along a gentle slope, but you have to make your way around large boulders. Jagged peaks rise on either side. Then your path descends steeply. At times, you have to face the rocks as you climb down, holding on with your hands and feet. At least you're more sheltered from the wind, and you know that the air will be warmer when you reach the lower altitude. But the farther you go, the less confident you feel that you're headed toward the ranger station. Finally, you realize that you took the wrong trail. The ranger station is on the fucking creek. Did you go back the way you came from, dumbass? I don't know, dude. <laughs> Wearily... You start back up the trail. You just started to climb a rock ledge when you hear a low snarl. You look up. A mountain lion with its fangs bared is crouched on a ledge to your right. Yeah! I thought it was hippo again for <laughs> This a is my fucking shit right here. Its muscles tense. The big cat leaps. You raise your arms to protect your face. You expect its teeth to sink into your shoulder. Instead, everything is quiet. You lower your arms. The cat has jumped to a rock higher up. It looks down on you, flicks its tail, then bounds away. You motherfucker. Phew. Ugh. It's Phew the mountain lion. I'm so disappointed. As your heartbeat returns to normal, you realize that you don't have the energy to climb back up to the cabin. You're past the point of no return. You'll just have to follow this trail and hope it will lead to civilization. The path continues to descend, taking you well below the timber line. Pine trees rise above you on either side. You're grateful for their protection from the wind, but your view is as poor as it would be in a tunnel, and the light is fading. Even in the long subarctic twilight, you must have no more than an hour of daylight left. As the creek bed descends through the thickening forest, the light fades even more quickly. You find a mossy place to make camp. Exhausted, you sleep. 
And then Hippo Bear eats you. During the night, you are awakened by the sound of rain. Water is dripping through your roof of pine boughs. You roll over to a drier spot. He's trying to get out of the wet spot. (laughs) (laughs) The scent of the wet pine trees Ah. is sweet and fragrant. You doze off again. When you awaken, the sun is shining. You get up, stretch, and walk over to the stream cascading down the creek bed. You cup your hands in the stream and drink. The cool, fresh water tastes good. You eat a chocolate bar for breakfast, and then you're on your way. Then you die of beaver fever because you just drank fucking water out of a river. After a while, the creek joins a roaring brook, which you follow downstream. You climb to a section of the brook that is partly dammed, forming a deep pool. You spot a couple of trout near that rock overhang. Suddenly, you realize how hungry you are. Perhaps you could net a fish in your poncho. Should you take time to try or risk chilling yourself by wading in the cold water? If you continue on, turn to page 62. If you try to catch a fish, turn to page 23. I feel like Hippo will come and kill us if we get a fish, so are you down to fish? I'm down to fish. Let's fish. I'm Mm. hungry. This brook has probably never been fished. The trout are not wary. You take off your boots and socks and wade into the brook very, very slowly, trying not to scare off the fish. You hold your poncho like a net and slowly work it under the biggest fish. You get ready to catch the trout and slip it out of the water. In a flash, it darts away. Again you try, and again. Each time the fish eludes you. If only you had a real net, this would be easy. You'll never catch a fish that way. The sound of a human voice startles you. Ah. Looking around, you see a man with a stubbly beard looking down on you from a rock on the other side of the brook. As you wade out of the water, the man jumps down from his perch. Nick Keegan is my name, he says, and I'll bet I'm more surprised to see you than you are to see me. How do you happen to be here fishing in a way that will never catch any fish? You quickly explain about the plane crash. How can we get help from my friend Jake, you ask? We'll do the only thing we can do, Nick replies. Follow me. I'm curious what the only thing we can do is now. Die. (laughs) As he leads you through the woods, Nick explains that he's a fur trapper and probably the only human being living within 20 miles of where you are. You're 10 miles from the nearest road, he tells you. Once the two of you have arrived at his cabin, Nick is able to reach the Royal Canadian Mounted Police by radio. They're sending a helicopter with the rescue team right away, he tells you, but the weather is getting worse. Fog and snow squalls at the higher elevations. I can tell them where the cabin is, but it's up to you to tell me where your plane went down. Judging from what you've said, I'm, I guess it's got to be either on Broadback Mountain, <laughs> which is north of us, or Mount Chilmark to the south. Which would you say? You unfold the map and try to retrace your steps. Have you been traveling mostly north from where the plane crashed or mostly south? If you say the rescue team should search Mount Chilmark to the south, turn to page 82. If you advise them to, to search Broadback Mountain to the north, turn to page 100. I think they should take their rangers up to Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Because I have no clue. <laughs> I can't be sure, you say. But I think I've been heading mostly south, so the plane must have crashed up on Broadback Mountain to the north. Okay, Nick says. I'll tell them to try that way first. He snaps on his radio headphones and gets the message through to the mounted police. There's nothing more you can do. The two of you play gin rummy for an hour, but your heart isn't in the game. Finally, you quit and stare out the window at the steadily falling snow. At last, a message comes through. Nick throws his headphones down on the table. The Mounties had to call off the search, he says. They pretty much combed Broadback Mountain without finding a trace of a plane wreck. They were going to check out Mount Chilmark, 
but by then they were running into blizzard conditions. They say it may be a couple of days before it lets up enough for them to go back up there. Vicious winds in those mountains, you know. Your heart sinks. You must have given the wrong directions. You feel certain that Jake won't make it. The end. Poor Jake. Aw. Bummer, dude. Poor Jake. Um, this might be Edward Packard's blandest book. It feels very matter-of-fact. Yeah. This is what happened. Make a choice, asshole. <laughs> I feel like he was calling us asshole the whole time. I feel like yeah. he was, too. Yeah. Yeah, um, I did not really enjoy this book all that much. <clears throat> it doesn't have any personality. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. I've had better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't what? know. It's, uh, I mean, the only good thing in there was Hippo the Bear. and Yeah, thank you. You guys made that up. So. He looks like a goddamn hippo. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but. Sure. It looks like a grizzly fucked a hippo and that's their baby. It just looks like a bear to me. Looks like a fucking hippo. All right. Anyway. I'm not going to recommend it. I think you could skip this one without any issue. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. I'm not really into it. Yeah. Well, uh, if you want to check out more Choose Your Own Adventure books, you can check them out at cyoa.com. If you want to check out more Edward Packard stuff, you can check that out at edwardpackard.com. If you want to check out more episodes of this show, you can check that out at incrediblydaring.com. Share us with your friends. And uh, we will be back next week. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jason. Jillian. Good night.